Good morning. For anyone visiting or anyone that doesn't know me, I'm Tabs, um, and I'm going to continue our preaching series at the moment on being a resilient church. So let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for how you are speaking to us at the moment. Uh, the way that you've spoken to us so far through uh, our meeting with you in worship, uh, the ways that you've spoken to us over the last few weeks, building us up to be strong in you. Lord, we pray that you would speak again. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my God, my rock, and my Redeemer. Amen. If you could replace anything in your life, if you could renew anything, if you could have a new version of anything that you possess, one thing, what would it be? Toby. Very big muscles. Toby would replace his puny 11-year-old muscles with some hench guns going on. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Anything you would replace? Your passport. Okay, yeah. What about, I don't know, maybe you've done a few too many steps recently during the lockdown and you're like, I could do with some new shoes or a bit worn out. Or maybe, you know, your car's making those noises that just cause a little bit of concern and you're like, the MOT's coming up. I, I could do with renewing my car. Or uh, maybe, maybe you like... A, uh, you know, one of, one of our wonderful year sevens in the room who uh, you've dropped your phone far too many times and you have more cracks in the screen than you have pixels uh, and you just feel like I could do with a new phone or at least a new phone screen. Um, Jack, uh, Lovegrove and, and myself, we used to be really good at breaking phones so we'd like trade them and then replace the screens with Paul's help. It was crazy, crazy. New, new phones, that would be good, a new phone. Or maybe a computer is like a little bit too old and it's struggling to keep up with all the updates and it's still downloading the CCS uh, weekly midweek email from Thursday night and you're like, I could so do with a new computer. Or maybe you've reached that point where you'd really like a new hip. Yeah? Some of you know what I mean. Um, or a new knee or a new shoulder or a new digestive system, or a new whatever else you could do with some new stuff. What about, what about though, a renewed mind? What about a renewed mind, a renewed willing spirit, a new set of desires, a renewed passion in your heart for life, full of the hope that Frank was talking to us about a couple of weeks ago, uh, a renewed desire to live a holy life with your eyes fixed on Jesus. You want a new mind? I'll tell you how to get a new mind. Well, the Apostle Paul will tell us today how to renew our minds. Because renewal is powerful. Renewal is so powerful. What about a renewed church? And I don't just mean the carpet, for my fellow carpet enthusiasts. Uh, what about a new church? A new community of believers who are renewed with a renewed passion to follow Jesus, seeing his miraculous works through the Holy Spirit, knowing his heart-melting love for us, 
seeking God's power, seeing lives changed powerfully by God. It's possible. History scattered with all sorts of times of renewal in the church. Uh, even just on the other side of Liverpool, um, 123 years ago, uh, the Welsh revival started. And, and it was started by um, a few people just getting together to pray, to pray for renewal in Wales. In fact, one of the people most famous was nine years old. And um, back then, when you were nine, sorry about this, Jamie, when you were nine, you worked in the mines. Yeah, you started work at nine, so you'd have been like two years down the mines by now. Uh, but this lad called Evan, right, this lad called Evan, he went down the mines and he was so passionate about wanting renewal in the church that he would get his friends around down the mines and they would just study the Bible together. And then when they finished work, he wouldn't play out with his mates because he would be going down to prayer meetings at church every night. And then one day, he convinced the pastor to let him hire the meeting room in order to have a prayer meeting for revival. Twelve people turned up to his prayer meeting for revival. And he was convinced that after that prayer meeting, revival would come. He was so convinced, at nine years old, he wrote to the national press and said, put this on your headlines, revival's coming to Wales. And then within a year... Tens of thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus. Wales was transformed, so much so that the police had to start forming choirs because there wasn't enough crime to solve anymore because so many people had had their lives transformed. Or, um, or down the mines, the animals that they used to use for carrying all the things that were mining around, uh, the animals stopped being able to understand what the workers were saying because they weren't swearing anymore. And, and it was like, hello, dear blessed animal, please come and uh, carry this coal for me along. Uh, that would be very, very good. Your rewards will be in heaven and all this, um, instead of what they might have said. Um, <coughs> history is scattered with times of renewal like that. Uh, another time of renewal um, was around the same time, actually. Uh, this is a different one to what I said at 9.15. Uh, the, over in Kansas... Um, there was a group of people who were desperately praying for renewal and they would stay up um, all hours of the night to pray. And one night at 2am, as they were praying, they all started speaking in strange languages. They all started speaking in tongues, but not in the sort of tongues that we might think of that are just sort of intelligible prayer languages. Um, they, they started talking in real languages from around the world. There was one lady who just started talking in Mandarin and she couldn't speak in English. She tried, but she just kept speaking in Mandarin. And so she wanted to write a, write a note down so she could tell people how she was feeling, what was going on. And all that she could write on paper was Chinese symbols. And so they, they sent her off to China. And she preached about Jesus in China. And then there was a renewal in China. Like, it's incredible, these times of renewal throughout history. All these times of renewal um, start in a very similar way. The, the Great Awakening uh, that kind of launched the, the Methodist Church, that, that started with a hundred years of prayer by the Moravians in a village in Germany, which John Wesley, who, who had that movement and preached to thousands across the country, he went there and was inspired by that um, and met with God and prayer. They all start in that very similar way, with prayer. 
individuals seeking after God. Sincere confession of sin, repentance, absolute dedication of their whole lives to Jesus, wherever the Holy Spirit might take them. Which is exactly what the Apostle Paul, in his letter that we had read to us this morning, exactly what the Apostle Paul calls us to do. And he tells us to do it in a very kind of emotionally driven way. He's urging us, therefore, I urge you. That word urge could also be translated to sort of beg. I I beg you to respond to this good news of Jesus. I, I urge you, I long for you, brothers and sisters, fellow believers of God, of Jesus, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, that, that mercy that he's talking about uh, is a, is, could also be translated to like a deep, gut-wrenching compassion. My deep compassion, God's deep mercy, love and compassion for you. In view of that, offer yourselves, offer your bodies, offer your whole bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. The word transformed there is uh, where we get our word metamorphosis from. So anyone who's been a child or had children or grandchildren recently, or maybe in the last, I don't know, 30 years, I don't remember it, um, the very hungry caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. Full transformation. That transformation, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The complete change for the better, the renovation. Then you will be able to test and approve, discern God's will, God's wishes, his desires, his good, pleasing, perfect will. This is coming from Paul, right? Paul the Apostle. Um, he, he's lived this transformation. Uh, he's been totally renewed. He's, he's been transformed. He's completely turned his life around because he, he went from being one of the most famous kind of persecutors, killers of Christians, to being one of the most powerful preachers of the gospel. And his transformation was pretty dramatic as well. It was pretty miraculous. Uh, he, was an, an, he was blinded. And then when he agreed to follow God, his sight came back. And it's like it was God's way of showing uh, that this life that Paul now knows is so much better. This renewed life that he has. Like not just his physical eyesight, but his heart and mind went from blind to 20-20 vision. What Paul experienced was a bit like what David was longing for in our psalm that we read. Psalm 51 um, is uh, it's, it's a psalm that David wrote when he'd been visited by the prophet Nathan um, after he'd committed adultery. And it was a psalm full of repentance, full of comp- confession. Uh, and it was full of, the early parts of it were symbolised with Jewish ritual washing um, and that external cleansing. But then you get to the bit that we read where David writes, create in me a pure heart, pure feelings, 
will, pure desires, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. Ruach is the Hebrew word, breath, wind, that we were singing about earlier. Renew a steadfast spirit, a new breath, a new wind within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. David knew the high cost of uh, committing sin. It affected his whole person. He wanted more than just cleansing, just cleaning up a little bit, a little bit of wax on, wax off. He wanted his whole life to be clean. He knew that this was an internal thing, that his heart was the source of his trouble, and he was incapable of changing his own heart. Only God could work that miracle. Only God could transform him and turn his life around. Only God has the power of renewal, to restore, to return, to bring back to David the joy of his salvation, the joy of his freedom, the joy of his deliverance, of his victory, and to grant to him a willing spirit to sustain him, to give him sustenance, to give him resilience. I love this song. I really do. Um, whenever, whenever I feel um, a little bit dry, do you ever get that sometimes where you're feeling a little bit, uh, a little bit stagnant in your faith? Um, like you, you just need, need something renewed, as though you've just been going through the motions. Has, has like David, has sin ever driven a, a wedge between you and your experience of God, making God feel distant, even though we know he really isn't? David felt that way. Have you ever felt just totally drained and burnt out? Like the pressures of life have just been weighing you down and you've got so much going on that you just, I could do with some renewal. I remember a few years ago, I, uh, I was very seriously ill. Um, I was in and out of hospital for the best part of nine months, I think. Um, and I'd lost three and a half stone in weight. I was very anxious about that. Uh, I was really struggling with what was going on. Um, and my doctor had put me on loads of meds to try and help with what was going on, but also to help with my mental health. Um, and they were helpful in part. Um, but when it came to the summer, I'd been trying to work all alongside all of this all the time. But when it came to the summer, I went on a silent retreat. Um, and it wasn't the easiest thing, um, being silent, uh, but I went on a silent retreat in response to what a young person who had just given their life to Jesus uh, the day before said. He said, I've, I think, I don't know how this works because I'm pretty new to this, but God just gave me the word silent for you, Tabs. And so I went on a silent retreat. And a few days into the silent retreat, I, I remember God really pressing on my heart to pray, like David prayed, for uh, a restoration of the joy of my salvation, to restore the joy of my salvation. Uh, I didn't feel anything straight away, um, but the next day I went for a walk. Uh, this wasn't anywhere particularly local, but my spiritual director had told me uh, of a particular path to go and walk down that path. Um, and I went, and as soon as I stepped on the path, I had this urge to laugh. This like overwhelming urge to laugh, and I just couldn't not laugh. I was walking down this path in public, just giggling away. 
and I couldn't hold it in. I was like, I'd walk past a stranger and I'd try and restrain myself, but I'm just, I, I was laughing away. And I was bubbling up. No one told me a joke. No one, no one like did anything. No one tickled me. I, I just had this urge to laugh, this joy within me, just bubbling up. And I was in hysterics. I walked for six miles laughing, even though a couple of months earlier, I could barely walk to the end of my street. Like, I, I just, it just all came over me. And I was like, wow. Wow, this is, I don't understand this. This can only be the answer to that prayer. To have the joy of my salvation restored to me. A salvation that I've journeyed with for years and years and worked out over time. All of the joy of that suddenly in one blast on a six mile walk. God wants us to be close to him. To experience his full and complete life. But we do all sorts of stuff that can drain us, can leave us feeling separated from him. And we need to recognise when that happens. We need to confess when we feel separated. Confess our sin to God, asking him to restore to us the joy of salvation. Right, fast forward a few hundred years, back to our letter from Paul to the Christians in Rome. After Jesus came and lived on earth died, rose again, ascended to heaven, where we have Paul experiencing this incredible renewal, the joy of his salvation. I think Paul's letter to the Romans is, is one of, the, uh, one of the, the richest, fullest explanations of how we should respond to the gospel. Um, but it's, it's not just, uh, Paul knew that it wasn't just about understanding doctrinal explanations we must translate our learning into living, into action. What we learn from the Bible into the way we live our lives. Seeing God at work in our lives today, miraculously transforming us, like the very hungry caterpillar, into a, a dramatic changing of how we think and live. In verse 1, therefore, I urge you. When we see a therefore, in Paul's writings, we must always ask, what is it? Well done. What is it therefore? Um, and this therefore is, uh, is quite an important one. It's the therefore of dedication. It's, I've told you the gospel. I've told you the good news of Jesus. What are you going to do about it? What does it mean to dedicate our lives? Paul describes it here for us um, in three steps. Christian dedication. First of all, you give God your body. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The Greeks thought the, the body on earth was just a, a vessel, just a receptacle of the soul. But the Jews understood it more holistically. They were like, actually, your whole self, your body, your mind, and your soul are all one, all together. And so Paul is calling you to give everything about you to God. He calls this your true and proper worship. True and proper worship. The entire range of a Christian's life and activity, not just when we stand up on a Sunday morning and have a nice sing-song, that's just a little bit of it. Our whole lives daily dedicated to God, our bodies given to him. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, when they sacrificed animals according to God's law, sorry Mark, um, a priest would kill the animal uh, 
and cut it into pieces, probably your ears, uh, and place it on the altar and burn it. A whole burnt offering ascended to God that could never be reclaimed. It belonged to God. God wants us to offer ourselves as sacrifices, not as animals, burnt and dead, but as living sacrifices. Secondly, you give him your mind. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, this present age that we live in, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Conform and transform. Both have that, that, that uh, suffix form in there. Formulating, a forming of something. Trying to form ourselves. We're told not to form, conform to the patterns of the world. Um, years ago, I tried to study some maths and engineering, um, and it's pretty much all lost on me now. Uh, but I do remember that there was a load of formulas in there for formulating things, formulas that explain the way things worked in the world, formulas that you could use to create new things, formulas that could also be put to bad use, like the way social media works, the way online advertising works. There are formulas that they use that clock how long you read a particular post or a, a, what saw a picture or watched a video or viewed someone's story or, or watched a reel. And then those, those, like, that data goes into a formula, into an algorithm that then is supposedly meant to give you more things like that that you might like to look at. However, those formulas are very heavily weighted by the millions of pounds that advertising companies pay Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and TikTok and everyone else because they want to form us into the person they want us to be, to buy into those services that they offer. Conforming. In this world, in this present age, in this world, in this present age, that wants to control your mind, that wants to conform you, then God wants to transform your mind. As Christians, we might decide that certain behaviours are off-limits, you know, to be, a, to be good and everything, um, but it's, it is possible to act good externally on the outside, but inside still be proud, still be covetous, still be selfish, still be stubborn, still be arrogant. It's only when the Holy Spirit renews, re-educates, redirects our minds that we are truly transformed. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the third way is you give him your will. God's will. Your body is controlled by your mind, and your mind is controlled by your will. Many people think that they control their will just through willpower. I'll just, I'll just keep trying really hard, then I'll try even harder. But then they, they usually end up failing. Uh, even Paul himself, a few chapters earlier in Romans 7, talks about how willpower just wasn't working for him. It's only when we give ourselves over completely to the will of God that his renewing, transforming power can take over and give us the power we need to be victorious Christians. That's God's will. That's God's desires. Um, the God's desires will become ours. In our psalm, we read about a, a willing spirit. 
That refers to David's own spirit, that it would be willing, it would be free to be obedient to the Spirit of God. It isn't simply enough to uh, confess sin and experience God's cleansing. We must also let him renew us within so that we will conquer sin and not give in to temptation. This is the therefore of the gospel, the power of renewal. This is our absolute response to the gospel because you see so much of the gospel in just those two verses. That God had such love, such mercy, such deep, gut-wrenching passion for us that he sent his only son as a living sacrifice in our place to give us a way, to give us, to give us a, a, a way to have his power, to give us power to escape the influence of sin in this broken world that wants to shape and conform us. And then for him to rise to renewed life, the resurrection, a life that empowers our own renewal. And then you see the ball thrown in our court, our decision to make, to ask Jesus into our lives and give our whole selves to him, to make that life-changing choice, to be a follower of Jesus, and then to renew that decision every day. If we, if we want to know the power of renewal and transformation in our lives and in the church, the same power that, it's, that is at work in the New Testament, the same power that has been at work throughout church history, the same power that conquered the grave, if we want that power at work in us, growing in us, the resilience that we're talking about, uh, that we're wanting to build here in our church, if we want to have that power, we need to surrender. Surrender our whole lives daily to God through disciplined prayer. To ask his transforming Holy Spirit to come and fill us. To allow God's, God's word to shape and transform us through the Bible. To pray, your will be done. And to go out and change the world. Amen.